Let's pray together, please, for a moment. What an invitation, Father. That you would invite us like that to bring our burdens, our shame, our cares, everything that we carry today. You offer to pour your grace over it, as we just sing about. And I'm just reminded of the first series, the first message in the series where we talked about Jesus' words, where he was looking at his people, and they would be words for us today, where he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you, for it is easy. Because I am gentle and humble at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Jesus, I just thank you so much for that offer, that invitation. Because, Lord, there are people in our room who feel heavy, burdened by shame, by sin difficulties, problems, stress, life. And we just pray today that you would help us to learn how to live in your rest. Help us to embrace that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. So good morning, everybody. I'm just so, you don't even know how glad I am that you're here today. I've been praying for this day as I've been looking into this series, but as I got to work this week and on the message for today, and and I saw how much I needed what I was talking about, and I just thought, you know, this is going to be, this has the potential to be one of those days uh, that we see God move in a way that is just beyond what we expected when we got up this morning and we came here. And so so I'm so glad that you're here and that you're with us. You know, in this series, we've been on Simplify. We've talked about the first week, we talked about the cycle of works. And in the cycle of works, it begins with my achievement. And so I achieve in order to gain acceptance. And as I continue in that cycle, when this acceptance is short-lived, And I have to achieve more, which drains me of my life. And it's a cycle that many of us live in and uh, that we want to be set free from. We talked about the cycle of grace. Cycle of grace begins with acceptance, that I have been accepted by God and Jesus Christ. And therefore, I am energized by that grace, and I end up at the level of achievement simply because I'm acting out of the wonder of what he has done in me, that he would accept me and that he would show me his love and his grace. Next week, we talked about busyness, and we talked about you know, how we live in this crazy, crazy world and how 
that's not the place that God wants us to live at that pace. We know none of us can sustain it. And last week we talked about finances and money and saying, you know what, there's a crazy part of our world is that uh, getting a grip on that. And today what I want to do is I want to come and I want to talk to you today about how we change, how we are made different, how we grow, and I would just say it this way, how we grow in grace. See, folks, how people change is not just a question that people ask at church, you know, Uh, honestly. Just go to any bookstore. Uh, If you can find one, you know, it seems like bookstores are, you know, getting less and less, but go to any bookstore and you'll be overwhelmed with how many books have been written to help you be able to do what you cannot now do based on some author's you know, prescription in some way. So you can read books about how fearful a, per, uh, a fearful person can develop courage, how a person who is lacking discipline can learn self-control, how people who are racist can, can become tolerant. See, everybody, it doesn't matter where you are, everybody wants to know, how can I change? How can I change? Well, that's what Jesus talks about in a set of verses that we're going to look at today. So I invite you to grab your Bible and turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. If you want to grab your message notes, they look like this. Those verses that we're going to look at first are right in the front. And then there's also some places for you to write some notes today or some thoughts as God gives them to you. So John chapter 15 is another of the I am statements recorded by John. There's seven of them. And statements like, I am the good shepherd. I am the living water. I am the light of the world. And so Jesus made those statements. And when he said, I am, he was making direct reference back to the Old Testament where God told Moses that his name was I am. And so when Jesus said, I am, he was declaring that he is God, that he is God. I am. And in the verses we're going to look at today, he uses another statement to describe exactly who he is and why we need him. So in the verses that we're going to look at today, Jesus is going to answer the question of how can I change? And at the same time, he's going to give us one of the most concise yet comprehensive foundational pictures of what it means to live with him, to live life with him. I talk to people all the time and they tell me, you know, Ron, I just feel stuck. You know, I just feel stuck in my faith. I feel stuck in my walk with God. I I feel stuck in my relationship with him. And and I'm not sure what to do about that. They just feel stuck in some way. And so what happens is, is that when people get stuck in that place, they look for someone to blame. And they blame first, they blame themselves. And then, you know, realize that, you know, it's not going to work to blame myself. So then they start looking outward and maybe blame their church or even comes down to the fact that, you know what, I'm... It's God's fault. You know, I'm doing all I can do. It's his fault. Now, uh, I came across a a diagram, an idea of how we get to this place that I want to share today because this has helped me tons to understand the reason why I was stuck in my walk with God and walk with Jesus Christ. And I had lived in a cycle, a path for a long time and wasn't aware of how it happens. So let me just kind of describe it for you. Uh, So basically, you have a person, 
and a person has not said yes to Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you are here today and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You're still exploring Jesus, exploring his church. You have a person who's never said yes to Jesus Christ. At a certain point, feels the call and the pull of Jesus on his or her life, and they say yes to him. And at the moment they say yes to him, they have a moment, it's called conversion. Okay, that's conversion. Where I was not a child of God, now I'm a child of God. I was not in his kingdom, now I'm in his kingdom. I didn't have the Holy Spirit, now I have the Holy Spirit. So it's a conversion that happens at the moment I say yes to Jesus Christ. So then what happens next in a church setting like we have here, or if you go online, you look at, so now I've said yes to Jesus Christ. Now what do I do? So the church and our church does a great job of this as well. says, okay, now that you've said yes to Jesus Christ, you need to grow. You need to learn some things. So here's what we're going to teach you how to do. We're going to teach you how to pray. We're going to teach you how to read your Bible. We're going to teach you how that, how to give, you know, that's really important for church. We're going to teach you how to give. We're going to teach you disciplines that, will, that you need to know as you follow Jesus Christ because they're essential. And so you start learning the disciplines and you start being disciple and you're in that process. And then before long, the church says to you, wow, you're doing a good job at the disciplines, at praying, at reading the Bible, at giving. Now what we want to do is we want to teach you that there's another place you need to go and it's the next phase and it's responsibilities and ministry. So now I'm at responsibilities in ministry. And so the church says to you, and this isn't bad, okay? None of this is bad. The church says to you that now that you're reading the Bible, wow, you know the Bible, you can teach the Bible. Well, and now that you're giving, wow, you can come and you can help on our finance team. You can serve in that way. And says, you know, now that you are doing this and you can give back to our community, you can serve in some way. Wow, you can teach Sunday school to kids or to students uh, that you can serve and uh, all the opportunities that the church has to help other people. And you're like, wow, I want to do that because I'm loving the church because they've helped me go from where I was to where I'm not now and uh, to where I was I'm not to where I am now. And so I love my church and I want to serve. So now you start serving. You're reading your Bible, you're serving, you're reading your Bible, you're serving, and you go through that and you just keep doing that. And you're thinking, okay, that must be it. That's typically what a church will stop at in teaching you what you do in your spiritual life. So what happens is I'm reading my Bible, I'm serving, and then all of a sudden, let's just call it a defining moment, a catalyst happens in your life that comes that's not positive. So you lose your job and you can't get a job. You, um, your marriage starts struggling, and next thing you know, your spouse has moved out and is living somewhere else. You have a child that goes through a rebellious period, and you're like, what do I do about that? Uh, you have a health problem, and it comes up, and you don't see any solution for that. You have some relational struggles. You go on and on. You lose your business even in some way. And then what happens is you're like, okay, God didn't come through for me. I'm reading my Bible. I'm serving in some way. And now I reach this place here. And what happens is I get disillusioned. I get disillusioned. And now I start blaming myself. I must not be reading my Bible enough. I need to go back over here and I need to read my Bible more. I need to give more. I need to pray more. I'm just not doing enough. Oh, I need to serve more. I need to serve more because I'm not doing enough. And then I keep doing that and I keep, and I'm just bashing into this wall again and again and again. Okay? Got the idea. And then what happens is, wow, this isn't my fault. 
it's your fault. And <laughs> look at me, point at me. It's your fault. It's the church's fault. You guys are teaching bogus stuff. And then I blame my church. And then all of a sudden, if I blame my church, God, it's your fault. It's your fault. And then what happens is, is that I end up filtering away from church, filtering away from my relationship with God. I end up empty in life. And what I want to share with you today is what Jesus would say is our step beyond responsibilities in ministry. And it's called union with Christ. Union with Christ. And in that relationship, in that union with him, then I am filled, I am fulfilled. And we're going to look today at what he says he offers us. He offers every one of us. He's saying, I still want you. <laughs> great, you're reading your Bible. You need to. It's great, you're praying. You need. Great, you're serving. That's awesome. Keep that up. But you'll never be able to sustain it unless you're connected to me. Never be able to sustain your life unless you're connected to me. And so let's read these verses. And then I want to show you how this plays out in our life. Verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So when he, when he says already you're clean, he's saying that you've already heard the word, the gospel, that I am the son of God. You've already said yes, and you've already been cleansed. So when he says you're already clean, that's what he's talking about. Those who have already stepped across the line and said yes to Jesus Christ into the place of conversion. So that's who he's talking to. For everybody here, that's who he's meaning. He says, you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You might underline it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So Jesus was saying here, he's saying that I am the vine and that you are the branches. And so what he's saying here and showing us is how that we can face the dilemma of change and growth and how he gives us all we need to grow in him. So just, just heads up, first of all, when Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. When I had you underline that, he didn't mean absolutely nothing, right? You can still brush your teeth without Jesus, okay? Just so you know that. He didn't mean absolutely nothing. See, we all, we, we all know people who are still on the other side of conversion who don't follow Jesus, 
that still do things that matter a lot in life. There's a lot you can do without Jesus. But what Jesus is saying here is this, you won't be able to do the things that matter to me if you do them without me. You won't be able to do the things that matter to me if you do them without me. When he says nothing, he means that nothing of real eternal value or nothing that brings life to it as you were involved in it. So in these pictures, what Jesus, uh, in these verses, what Jesus does is he uses uh, some imagery that everyone that he's speaking to would know and could see in their heads, but we can't because not all of us live in that kind of agrarian lifestyle. So let's just look at this grapevine here. So when he's speaking that to the people that he's, you know, in that day, they knew that when he was speaking that this was a, a branch and that these are branches I mean, vine, branches, and grapes or fruit. This is a healthy vine, and this is what he's talking about, what actually happening. This is the people who are listening, knew this. And so with that in mind of the goal, what I want to do is I want to share a couple of foundational principles, and then we're going to talk about what it means to walk and be in union with Christ. And the first principle you want to write down is the goal of the spiritual life is to produce fruit. That's what Jesus is teaching here. The goal of the spiritual life is to produce fruit. That's God's goal for you and God's goal for me. So then what does Jesus mean by fruit? Here's a quick three-word definition. Fruit is supernatural character change. Supernatural character change. So the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, he gives us a list of the supernatural character changes that happen to a person who's in Christ called the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. The Holy Spirit produces. So first of all, just notice, it's Spirit-given, Spirit-produced. This kind of fruit in our lives. And so here's the fruit, supernatural, Holy Spirit, Supernatural character change. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm going to read it again. The goal of the spiritual life is that you and I would exhibit these supernatural character changes. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the goal. Okay. It's a lot different than thinking the goal is how many times I read my Bible in a month. Or how many Bible studies I went to. Or how many times I fasted or where I served. It's a lot different in what we're looking at today. So look at the next statement. So this takes us to the next foundational statement that Jesus is making. The source of energy, source of energy that generates growth and sustains my spiritual life is abiding in Jesus. The source of energy, the source of this supernatural change is my abiding in Jesus. So here's the bottom line. Unless I abide in Jesus, I cannot live out the life he's called me to live. 
I cannot produce the fruit. He's called me. He's, he's going to, he wants to produce through me. So abide means something like to make your home in, to dwell in, to remain in. The Apostle Paul in the book of Acts was caught in a huge storm. And the storm was so bad that the sailors were throwing stuff overboard to try to keep the ship from sinking. And then they got to a point where they said, the only way we're going to survive is to let their life rafts down and get in the life rafts. And then we can go to safety that way. And Paul heard from God and spoke these words and said, you must remain in the ship if you're going to be saved. It's the same thing. I must remain in Jesus if I'm going to be saved, if I'm going to be able to abide in him. See, abiding is not so much. This is, gonna, this is where the twist is, okay? From the pathway I told you, abiding is not so much about the things you do for God. It is being secure in his work in you as you were abiding in his son. Abiding means to invite Jesus to walk with you, to empower you, to energize you, to transform you in every area and every moment of your life. So how do I know if I'm abiding in him? Well, look at this next verse. John went on and wrote several epistles that are at the end of the New Testament. In one of these, he talks about abiding. It's actually used 16 times in this epistle. But this is what he says in chapter 4, verse 13. He says, by this, so here we go. Here's the signal. Here's how you know. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us, notice this key word, of his spirit. Not that he's given us his spirit, but he's given us of his spirit. And what did Paul say would be of his spirit? Paul said of his spirit would be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's what he said he gives us. So just underline it, circle that word of there because it's key in understanding that that's what he's talking about. The Holy Spirit produces fruit. His spirit produces fruit in us and through us. So if you want to know if you're abiding in Jesus, you would ask yourself questions like this. Okay, am I more loving today than I was last year at this time? More loving today. Do I have more joy today than I had last month? Am I more patient today than I was the last time I stood in line at DMV? Just think about that. See, it's a really good test. Here's the test. Fruit looks like fruit. There you go. Fruit looks like fruit. An apple tree produces apples. A grapevine produces grapes. And a follower of Jesus Christ has on him, growing off of her, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's fruit. So Jesus is saying that we are totally dependent on God for this, totally dependent on God. Abiding is what desperate people do when they realize that they have no life, no power, no resource in and of themselves. They must only remain in Jesus, union with Christ. See, people who are abiding don't say, hey, you know what? I can handle this on my own. They don't say that. People who are abiding say, I can't handle this. Give me Jesus. I need Jesus. I'm desperate. And what we're learning today is that you and I can do absolutely nothing of eternal value. We can't produce this fruit. We can't become more loving, more joy-filled, more patient, unless we are choosing to have union with Christ and abide in him. So now, I just want to quickly give you 
six things that Jesus talks about in these verses about abiding in him. It's going to fly by, but the first one is the most difficult, okay? He said it first, so I'm saying it first. It is this. Abiding in Jesus means I am submitting to his pruning. Submitting to his pruning. In those verses, he said, every branch in me does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Notice that, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken. So, okay, let's look again. This is what a healthy grapevine looks like. This is the goal of a fruit-filled life. So you've got this amazing vine Got these beautiful branches and these luscious, luscious looking grapes. Okay, there is what a healthy vine looks like. Now, let me show you what this vine looked like, had to look like before it could look that beautiful. Hmm. That's ugly, huh? That's ugly. When you look at that, that it had to be pruned. It had to have all of the branches cut off and so that it could have new branches that would grow and then it could make fruit. It had to be pruned. In other words, the growth, the things that you were looking at that even looked good. I'm reading my Bible. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm serving. I'm I'm serving, serving, serving. At some point, some some of that good had to be cut back so that there could be more good so that he could produce Fruit. Now, I was just thinking about this. What if great, you know, grapevines could feel, you know, that they make this beautiful, out of it comes this branch and these luscious grapes and the great branches are so proud to look at my fruit. And all of a sudden, this guy comes by with a bag and a tractor and he cuts the fruit off. Ah, cuts my fruit off and throws it in the bag and the tractor. And the next thing you know, there's a guy coming by with these snipping things and he's going, snip, 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 ah. All of my goodness off until there's nothing left but this ugly branch. Folks, God prunes us. And when he's talking here, he's not saying he prunes the bad branches, cuts them off. What he was saying is that he trims branches that have good fruit so that they can produce better fruit more fruit. So it doesn't mean he's dis- it doesn't mean he's left you, it doesn't mean that he's uh, that he's disappointed in you. It means that he's taking you through a process so that you can produce the fruit he wants in your life. Okay, second thing is this. Abiding in Jesus means I'm listening to his words. I am listening to his words. He says if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So this is why it's so important, folks, that we read the recorded words of Jesus Christ. In my Bible, the recorded words of Jesus Christ are red, the red letters. It's so important that we understand what it was and is that Jesus Christ is saying to us. We need to know his words, especially in an age and a day like ours where there are so many people speaking words. So many blogs that you can read, so many information sources, so many self-help items, so many people saying they have the solution, so many people saying that they have the way. There are so many words being spoken today that we need to hone in and listen to the words of Jesus. I found myself in this place this week. 
So I was online, I was reading this stuff, and uh, I thought, oh, keys to success. And so I clicked on there, and, and I got to this article about keys to success, and it was basically saying something like this. In order for us to grow in our capacity to have success, what we need to do is we need to look at the things we've done and accomplished and be grateful for those, and then we need to look inside at how we made that happen so we could feel good about ourselves, so we could expand our capacity and we could step forward and actually do more things. So I, I read that and I think, you know, that's, that sounds reasonable. That's kind of, you know, typical positive talking speak that you hear today. And, and then, so I was, you know, walked into the bathroom and Ken was in there, my wife. And I've told you guys before, living with her is like living with the Holy Spirit, right? So just know that. So I walk into the bathroom and I told her this thing I just read. And, you know, and she was, she had this in her hand our prayer card, and she had just finished praying the prayer for Monday, the day, it says, help us know your wisdom talking to God. And here's what the verse says. It says that, may he give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. She said these words. She said, Ron, if what you're saying is accurate, then here's how that verse would actually read if it was from within me that change happens. It would read this. She says, I'll find it here because I wrote it down so I could keep it. Okay, she says this. If I, if I choose to make that my self-esteem advice that you're talking about, this verse would read this. That you may be given the spirit of revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of yourself. And that's what it would, how it would read. And I don't know about you, but the knowledge of myself has got me in the place I am today. Okay, and it's right, but it's the knowledge of the words of Jesus that changes as we abide in him. Okay, next, abiding in Jesus means I am praying for his gifts, praying for his gifts. Here's a verse most of you love and take it completely out of context. I do as well sometimes. It says this, Jesus says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Oh, I love that. It just seems to be like Jesus is a genie. <laughs> you know, he's waiting to grant my every wish. Or Jesus is like a divine dispenser. You know, and I go in and I put vending machine. I put my money in and out pops out my every wish. But that's not what this verse is saying. We, gotta read, we have to read the Bible in context. So in context, when he says, ask whatever you want, it's concerning Fruit is concerning fruit being produced in our lives. You guys have to go down in verse 16. I put it there on your notes. It says this. I chose you, Jesus says, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that, notice again, he says it. Whatever you ask in my name, he may give it to you. So Jesus is saying, if you want fruitfulness, ask for it. If you want fruitfulness, my father is eager to grant that request. My father wants the fruit of the spirit to be produced in you, to show through you. Folks, this is a gift of grace. This is a gift of grace. You cannot work to bear fruit. You know, think about that branch again. Think about that. All of a sudden, it's time time for grapes to pop out. All of a sudden, the branch is going, this is grape time. I'm going to make a grape. I'm going to make a grape. It can't do it. It just can't do it. I'm dizzy now. (laughs) 
So here's what I want to suggest. Instead of that approach, come to Jesus. Come to God and say, I feel despair. I would love to feel joy. I'm disheartened. I would love to have hope. I'm having difficulty forgiving. Would you help me to be gentle? Would you help me to give goodness? Instead of what I want right now is to lash out. I'm feeling anxiety. Would you help me know peace? So ask and he will give. Next is this. Abiding in Jesus means I'm resting in his love. So abiding is resting. See, we, so, we often get caught up in that cycle of works over here. We're achieving, 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 getting a false sense of acceptance, and we get so burned out. And what Jesus wants us to realize in the cycle of grace, that gift, the, the fruit we're talking about today is a gift. And it's freely available and accessible to every one of us. This is not just for a few people, folks. This is not just for some kind of spiritually elite person. This is what he wants for every one of us. So you don't have to work for approval. You don't have to work for acceptance. You don't have to work for significance. You don't have to work for merit. God blesses you with his love. And his love flows through Jesus to all the branches that are attached to him. Notice what Jesus says, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. This is astounding. Think about this. How much does God love Jesus? It's, It's divine. Absolutely unconditional. Without end. Overflowing. It's perfect. Now compare that to me. As much as I love my children... That love, when I compare it to the eternal love that the Father has for his Son, it pales. And what Jesus wants us to know is you can rest in the Father's love. God accepts you through me, not as a reward for what you've done, but as the key benefit of what it means to be in union with Christ, to be abiding in him. Okay, next. Abiding in Jesus means I'm trusting in his joy. I'm trusting in his joy. Oh, this is awesome. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus said. Listen, Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you. May my joy be in you that your joy may be full. His joy equals way overflowing joy for me as he fills me up. But folks, joy is a matter of trust. See, the level of joy that you have today is in direct proportion to the level of trust you have in God. Direct proportion to the level of trust you have in God's goodness in your life. It's that simple. Trusting in God, abiding in him, releases the joy of God's presence in you. Now, I was thinking about this. I'm, I'm, I wish that grapevines and branches could talk. I really do. Because I was thinking about the actual moment when a branch has a grape start to be formed for the first time, what does that grape feel? Like, oh my word, I, oh, ah, I'm out, I'm out. It's full of joy. It's so much joy in that experience. I'm a grape, look at me, I'm producing, oh, this is awesome. That's what grapes feel, I think. 
And I just want to ask you, how long has it been since you felt that kind of joy because of what Jesus is doing through you? That joy as you trust in him. This is just counterintuitive. It's, we don't often get this, but real change happens not from you doing things for God, but real change happens when you do things with God as he works his fruit out in you. Okay, last thing. Abiding in Jesus means I am following his commandments. Well, okay, now we get to the doing part, it sounds like. I'm following his commandments. But by now, you see the whole process. You're now back to the cycle of grace where acceptance, energy, significance, achievement. So now, because I am totally accepted, he produces from within me the ability to do what is not natural with me, and that is the ability to love others. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How do you love others? How do you really obey the command to love hard, ornery, difficult to get along with, cantankerous people just like yourself? (laughs) How do you do that? You receive the love of Jesus, and out of that resting love that you experience from him, he then loves others through you. He then loves others through you. It's about letting him love through me. So I'm going to give you this idea before I leave, before we wrap up today. And, um, you know, I have my, brought my device, and I've got my charger here. And so um, kind of the idea I want to leave you with is this thought, is that... Um, in order for my phone to get charged, I need a cord, and then I need a place to plug the cord that has power. When I look at this cord, this cord has no power. This cord does nothing to charge my phone unless it's plugged in. So the analogy I want to give you here is this, is that this cord, and you need to hear me in the spirit of today's talk, this cord is represents the disciplines of the spiritual life. This cord represents prayer. This cord represents Bible reading. This cord represents stewardship, giving of my resources. This cord represents fasting. This cord represents silence. This cord represents solitude. This cord represents serving. This cord represents telling others about Jesus. All of that. You can do all of that without being connected to the power source. But when you do those things connected to the power source, then you have life. But apart from that, you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Because he calls us to take our cords, plug them into him, and abide and rest in him. Let's pray together. Yeah. So Jesus, we come to you now, and I just thank you for this opportunity today. And so we go back to that moment when we said yes to you, the the moment of conversion, that there are some in the room who've never said yes to you, Jesus. I know that. And if that's you, you want it today, you want to turn your life to Jesus, you would just simply say, he's waiting on you. He's calling you right now. You would say, Jesus, as much as I understand it, I want to turn to you today. 
I've sinned. I've got this heaping pile of shame and guilt from that. And I ask you, because of the death that you endured on the cross, because of the resurrection that was celebrated when the Father raised you, that you would forgive my sins, that you would cleanse me, that you would make me whole, Jesus. And Jesus, help me to know how to grow in you. I want to know disciplines. I want to serve, but oh, Jesus, never let me stop short of being in union with you. In union with you. Help me know what it means to abide in you. And Father, I'd say that for everyone in the room. Jesus, help me to know what it means to abide, to rest in you. This is mystery, folks. We're not talking easy. We're not talking measurable today. This is mystery, supernatural, outside of the norm, what he wants to do when you come to him and surrender to him. And it's going to be a day in, daily, moment by moment choice to abide. But Father, we want to produce Holy Spirit fruit that you would produce through us and in us. And we just thank you, Jesus, for that promise. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.